You are listening to episode 10. This episode is brought to you by QuickBooks, which is one of the best apps for starting entrepreneurs. I've literally been using this app since I launched my business, and it has helped me, who doesn't have an accountant brain, to keep my books in order and to send them in an organized fashion to my accountant. So I recommend it to anyone who is trying to launch a business and is doing that as a solopreneur or entrepreneur. This episode is also brought to you by my new course, How to Dominate LinkedIn with Your Personal Brand. And you can join the waitlist now as the link is below this episode. Yes, Laura. I was looking for art galleries in downtown Saskatoon because the free art gallery that we once had, the Mendel, was actually closed down because they were going to bring in a new art gallery into our city, which is the Remy Art Gallery. But between the Mendel closing and the Remi opening, I was kind of really needing my fix of art. Art is a very relaxing thing for me to experience. Going to art galleries and seeing what creatives have come up with is not only inspiring, it's somewhat therapeutic. So anyhow, I found different art galleries in town and most of them were quite receptive of even having conversations with me and inviting me to other openings they were having. And the last one I got to see was the Daryl Bell Gallery. So they had two floors. They had the main floor where I met this friendly receptionist and she told me to look around and have a nice time and she told me to also check the upstairs. So I looked at all the art and I enjoyed it. And then I went upstairs and I believe that's where Daryl Bell was. And he started a conversation up with me as well, talking about the gallery and uh, just the different things they do. And it was really nice. Um, yeah, it was a really nice time. But then there's these pieces of art that literally struck me. They were so vibrant and so lively. They were full of all sorts of crazy shapes and shading that made the paintings look as though they were three-dimensional objects and cubes. And I guess with my culture too, I love bright colors and they were just the brightest colors. So loud, it definitely stood apart for me from all the art I had seen in the entire two floors of the gallery. And I just, I was just so taken back by them. So I went to Daryl and I said, who? made these these are amazing i love these pieces and he's like oh you like them hey that's the girl downstairs and i said you mean the receptionist and he's like yeah she's also an artist i was shocked so of course i had to run downstairs and tell her just how amazing i found her art which she humbly accepted (laughs) my compliments um and i just I just remember having the images of her art burning in my brain. So I said, is there anywhere I can follow you? Do you post your art anywhere? Do you have a website? Do you have social media? So she had her Instagram and her website, of course. And I believe another time I came through downtown and she literally took the time to talk to me about the process of art because I asked her, like, how do you go about creating these pieces? I just found them so inspirational and maybe because of my culture I really appreciate the bright colors and I just think they're amazing and um, she went on to have a 30-minute conversation with me 
right there in the gallery just talking about art and the process. And I really did appreciate that. So when I created this podcast, I knew I wanted to have Laura on there. Um, she just was so kind and so willing to open up about her process. And I knew if I found it inspirational, you guys would as well. So this is a very special episode because it's someone I actually know. She's doing great work. And she is my first local interview. So I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. podcast and this is my first Saskatoon episode with my friend Laura Payne. She's an amazing visual artist and I'm so excited to share um, her story and her journey with you guys. Uh, she's been so open with me and it's just so exciting to have her here. So thank you so much for coming, Laura. <laughs> so nice. You're very welcome. For sure. And um, do you mind telling us a little bit about you and your background and how did you find visual art. Yeah, um, probably like same with you. It's just something you've been doing forever, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, I think, you know, be, both me and my sister were, you know, visually artistic from the time we were little. Yeah. And my parents definitely saw that and encouraged that, um, which is really fortunate because not everybody has parents that are, that yeah. are supportive of, of them pursuing the arts professionally. Yeah. Um, but, but interestingly, I've had this weird kind of like flip of how I thought I was going to approach my career because when I was younger and, and my parents would take me to galleries and museums, mm -hmm. which I'm so grateful for, yeah. uh, but they, they didn't really take me to any sort of like contemporary galleries, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think they probably took me to what they were interested in and what mm -hmm. they probably learned in school, which is like, you know, a group of seven and Emily Carr and Picasso yeah. <laughs> exhibits yeah. and Rembrandt, right? Like, totally, totally. And so, um, even like growing up and mm. uh, going to school and taking art history classes, for some reason, like they never really taught us much about contemporary art. So I had mm. this notion that being a visual artist was no longer a vocation. Like that was something wow. that people did a long time ago, you oh. know, but yeah. that wasn't something that people did. And so yeah, yeah. I knew I just needed to find a way to pursue this artistic life and mm -hmm. you know my parents being supportive but also very pragmatic about like making sure I could get a job <laughs> yeah. helps me explore what those options are and so right. you know we looked at like you know museum studies or curating um mm -hmm. looked at like graphic design which is what my sister wound up going into wow. and illustration awesome. um and what I landed on when I was in high school was I was going to be a high school art teacher. Um, 
because, you know, that was part of my world. I didn't yeah. see it. And I'm like, okay, I think I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so I started my, my BFA, my bachelor's, mm-hmm. at the University of Western Ontario. And the plan was to do, uh, you know, my bachelor's degree and then go to teacher's college. Just mm-hmm. bing, bang, boom, and like, it's done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know it's not that easy. <laughs> I know that now. Um, and after a couple of years, I, I sort of started to look around at my like post-secondary environment and thought like, this is a little bit more interesting to me. Maybe I would want to teach university or college. Right. And so instead of going to teacher's college, I would pursue a master's degree. Because mm-hmm. uh, in visual arts, that's the terminal degree, not necessarily a PhD. Oh, okay. Um, which is nice. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> like five years out of Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... Uh, and so, you know, I finished my bachelor's and, mm-hmm. like, sent out the applications to grad schools, and I was so excited and, like, yeah. ready for this next big challenge, and I got rejected from everywhere. Wow. No way. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, crushing. Um, oh. Right? But, wow. you know, it, like, everybody, well, most people go through that sort of, like, hmm. rejection. Like, it was kind of my first big rejection, and, and it was really hard, but ah. I realized, like, all right, um... You know, I need to spend a little bit of time working on my portfolio, mm-hmm. and so I moved home for a year, and, and my parents let me do that. And the next year I applied to more schools again, more this time, yeah. um, Canadian and American. Cool. And I wound up going to the Maryland Institute College of Art, which is in Baltimore. Wow. Yeah. So this time you not only got in, but you had another opportunity. And is that like a fairly large school in yeah. the art world? Yeah, it's a pretty big one. Like. I, I tried to look at you know, what I thought were some of the top graduate programs for art in the United States. And, mm-hmm. and the appeal of that program specifically was that it was a multidisciplinary school, um, like specifically the graduate program that I would go to. So yeah. in the United States, a lot of MFA programs are still sort of sectioned into specific media. Like you uh-huh. go just for painting and you work just with painters. Mm-hmm. Um, or you go just for sculpting. And mm-hmm. this was going to be like like the island of misfit toys of oh, artists, awesome. <laughs> which was really yeah, cool yeah, and exciting yeah. to me, especially because I was working in video and painting and ah. like projection at the time, so I couldn't, right. I couldn't decide and I didn't want to choose, so mm-hmm. um, that wound up being great. And then, um, yeah, and then I found myself here and the work developed more and... Wow, that's yeah. so neat. Um, I love that. I'm sure we'll get into it more in a minute because you do have so many different types of visual art. Yeah. So <laughs> that makes a lot more sense now. Um, what inspired you? Yeah. What inspired you to be an artist? Uh, I grew up in a really small town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so small that every kid was like the something kid. Oh, you know what I mean? Okay. So in elementary school, yeah. in whatever grade I was in, mm-hmm. I was pretty much always the art kid. And so it became a pretty integral aspect of like how I saw myself and, wow. and like how I think I kind of fit into my little community in school. Totally. Yeah. Um, and, and then the same through high school. And um, it. I was making really different work then as mm. well. Like I, I was more of a portrait artist mm. and I would say like I was kind of a realist artist. So I knew I had this like cool skill that people were impressed with and I yeah. think I just liked that validation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, okay, like people are like patting me 
be on that a lot. Maybe yeah, so yeah. Do something with this. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds really silly to put it that way now, but mm-hmm. sometimes that's how it happens. Yeah, yeah. But then the funny thing is, mm-hmm. uh, then I got to school mm-hmm. and got to art school, and I looked around and I'm like, oh, everybody knows how to do this like special skill that oh. I thought I had. <laughs> Yeah. And so it, it made me like kind of look inward a little more and feel mm. or sort of try to figure out like, okay, why why am I doing this? Like why are mm. portraits important to me? Mm-hmm. What am I trying to capture and, and what am I trying to do that nobody else is doing? And so I did approach portraiture from a few different angles. Mm. Um, in early in grad school I was doing like 3D portraits nice. where you could view them through like the red and blue glasses, but Instead of it being 3D, it was more like the layers were two different images, you know what I mean? So I did these um, plastic surgery before and after portraits that had like, (laughs) so when you put the glasses on, they would kind of like flicker and overlap. Oh, so neat. (laughs) Singular portrait of one person, but before and after. And I've always been interested in making art that kind of like, I don't know, um, changes like the expectation or definition of like what you're going to see. You put on 3D mm-hmm. glasses and you expect to see two different points in space, but what I gave you was two different points in time. Wow. Which is kind of what I'm yeah. still doing with a lot of my work. Well, probably yeah. Like it, but, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so cool. It's funny because I see your recent work, so it'd be cool to see even that. If you look at my website or my portfolio, I kind of have these two really distinct bodies of work for sure. Mm-hmm. One of them is more light and electronic and projection based yeah, yeah. Uh, and time based, right? Like it's mm-hmm. animated. And right. then the other body of work is is these shaped paintings that I make. Right. Um, they have very similar kind of overlapping concerns, but I definitely think of them as very distinct, and I usually don't even sort of show them in the same place or the same mm. context, because mm-hmm. I'm not even really sure how they relate to each other yet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so the, the light works, what I'm really interested in showing people is kind of simulating aspects of natural phenomena, so like sunsets, you know, the northern lights, like that kind of like that light spectacle that's just cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Except it's very clearly like an electronic piece. Yeah. And I'm kind of trying to simulate that same sense of like awe, Mm -hmm. that kind of like sublime, Mm. indescribable, I'm having a hard time describing it because it's... Yeah, no, that, yeah, I know what you're trying, or I get what you're trying to say, like that feeling you get like when you see the sunset and like the sunrise and just like... um, yeah, <laughs> it is like it is an experience. Yeah, yeah. so you, are you trying to like I guess recreate or emulate that definitely in a way, but interpreted through those pieces. Definitely, yeah. Cool. Using technology, what's very clearly technology to people, but using it to like sort of connect on like a natural phenomena kind of level. Cool, cool. Um, and so I like what I like about those pieces too is that like it's constantly changing. It's ephemeral, and you can't ever really quite see the same thing twice Mm, mm -hmm. and so in a way I'm doing something similar with my paintings um, Mm. where I'm trying to create work that um, you know it's a bit of an optical illusion for sure yeah it's not I wouldn't like call it op art necessarily but 
um, you know, simulating angles and shapes and depth and light yeah. by specifically cutting the shapes out, right? Not being confined to the rectangular or square kind of like panel. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they're similar for sure. They both consider light and optical illusion, mm -hmm. but um, I'm, yeah, I'm not really quite sure how they connect yet. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, it's funny. For me as a viewer of the art, I actually do, in a weird way, see the connection too. Mm. Because the first thing I thought when I saw your painted pieces um, was, oh my gosh, this is like seeing like a 3D piece inside a painting. Like, I didn't know how to describe it. It was just like seeing these crazy shapes and the colors were so vibrant that it almost didn't look like a painting. It almost looked like something I could like actually take out and it would just be this weird, like vibrant, like <laughs> cute. So when I saw the it's a good reaction, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, whoa, they don't even feel like paintings. They feel like actual objects. But then you like, you know, you go very close and you realize it's you know not three dimensional. It's so cool. And then when I saw the light, um, or the yeah, I guess the light kind of fixtures you had, um, I felt like that was almost like what I think they could be, like, if they were, like, animated in real life. life. Yeah, yeah, so it was kind of weird. That's the connection I made in my brain, and I don't know if that was at all intentional. Yeah. <laughs> and because you're saying they're different, um, yeah, that leads into this question. So how do you approach, then, creating um, these painted art pieces versus, like, the light? Um, what's the word you actually use for that? Light installations. Light installations. Some of them are, okay, uh, some of them are just light boxes. Light boxes, yeah. And and how how do you approach that? Like in your processing, like how do you, yeah, how do you decide? Like okay, this is the piece I'm gonna create. And mm. <laughs> this is what yeah. it's gonna look like. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think I do work on very like distinct pieces at a time, so it is mm. kind of like I do just flip back and forth. But mm. I am constantly trying. Like ever since even you know going to to university for art when I was still doing portraits and I was doing video art as well mm -hmm. I've always been trying to like they've always been related but yeah been trying to just like kind of blend them together right now my paintings um that the series I've been working on this year for the first time is so exciting um I'm using glitter <laughs> oh so yeah, cool <laughs> it's like tons of glitter um, because <laughs> yeah. what happens there is that it's no longer strictly like a two-dimensional illusion it's it oh. does change as you move around it oh. um so I'm, I'm getting closer and I've even hmm. I think in the near future I'm hoping to find a way to integrate actual literal light into some of the paintings ah, I'm so excited well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah we'll see yeah. yeah so neat so it really does feel like two different thought processes then. totally yeah and actually I have to admit before I saw your light installations I had never really seen that as a version of art okay um like, how does one even go about creating something like that? <laughs> like, do you have to just build it, or how does it... Yeah, so, um, it was a, yeah, it was kind of a long road <laughs> to get there, right? Yeah. Um, uh, this is where I get to plug the Saskatchewan Arts Board. Oh, yeah. That was the first um, production grant I ever received was yeah. in 2015 from the Saskatchewan Arts Board. Yeah. And it was to figure out, like, it was a pretty loose 
slave defined application because the point of it was I need to do a lot of research and invest in a lot of materials to figure out how I can construct these things. Right. And fortunately, you know, they were on board with that. And so I had to learn. Um, I didn't have to learn how to program, fortunately. I was going to ask that too. <laughs> One day, maybe. What I use? I uh, use pre-programmed, like, con multiple controllers that um, have, like, preset settings, but then I just arrange the lights in different ways. So cool. So that they move, like, they change color at different times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I did have to learn how to solder, which I'm still not great at, but, you know, huh. I, I know how to do it. Wow. Know? And, yeah. you know, and I had to source lots of different samples and materials, like what was I going to build the frame out of, mm -hmm, which was mm -hmm. just a shadow box frame. Mm -hmm. um, the screen that makes the light just so luminous, like you can't just buy a piece of white or frosted plexiglass, like there's specialty, there's special kind of materials that you source for that, and so I had to look at a lot of American distributors of special sign acrylics, and um, I couldn't have done all that with the arts board, for sure, because it wound up being a very expensive project to just experiment, and fortunately at the end I did have some pieces that I was really proud of and, and proud to display, and it was a great learning experience as well. Wow, that's so neat that they actually funded you to try and come up with this experimental thing. So, yeah. are you, like, the first one to do this, then? Well, I mean, I... No. Like, no okay. <laughs> I mean, I... Because I'm not an electrical engineer, but any electrical engineer would Could create. know how to do that. Maybe it's just most of them, I guess, don't want to. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, your approach would be very different, I'm sure, than yeah. an engineer. Well, yeah. <laughs> Given your artist vibe, yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah. So, you know, it's, um... Mm. I... I I don't think I've seen too much other light box work in Saskatoon, and yeah. so maybe that was part of the appeal too for the arts board to like mm -hmm. see somebody produce something so that they haven't seen before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and is that the pieces um, in in Saskatoon? We have this thing called Nuit Blanche. Um, I think it's all over the world actually. Yeah. But is that one of the pieces that was? At Nuit Blanche, one of the years? So that was, uh, that, that's kind of what grew out of that experimentation. So uh, I learned how to assemble these light boxes, which yeah, yeah, yeah. then the sculpture that I produced um, yeah. for Nuit Blanche wound up being, one of these light boxes wound up being just the base for it. Uh, uh, and that was a really, again, a really um, exciting project because that was a collaboration between the Canadian Light Source on campus, the right. Synchrotron, um, who they always like to have a kind of a presence at Nuit Blanche every year, and so they, um, they've had artists in residence in the past, and um, who've produced work for the festival. So I proposed a plan for sculpture, and, and they were happy with it, and so they let me just go and do it. So cool. <laughs> yeah, that was like one of the neatest um, installations. <laughs> I, I believe you had like the 3D glasses for it too. Oh, yeah. It was so trippy. <laughs> it was really fun to check it out. It's quite an experience. It was, it was a really cold night too. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And like, I just remember because um, me and my friend Megan, we, we love checking out Nibla. She's the one that introduced me to it actually. And yeah, that was one of the pieces we really liked. And I was like, oh, this is my friend. I'm so excited That's for awesome. it. But it was actually like very cool. Like there's like a significant crowd around it. So I could tell people were enjoying themselves. No, <laughs> because some of them you don't really understand or you don't really know what to do with it in terms yeah. of you interacting with the art itself. But um, yeah, okay, for sure. Um, 
So can you explain to us then the dynamic between making art for art's sake and then actually, like you said, making a living off of art? And how did you have to accommodate that in your life? Yeah, it's a really, really important, really good question. <laughs> and the answer is going to be different for everybody, obviously. Mm -hmm. But for me, um, it was just, it's about consistency, Mm -hmm. uh, making time, like just having a routine in the studio, having like kind of rituals that mm. like reinforce that routine <laughs> because you know, you're, you're never going to find time. You have to make the time. And if you can't yeah. see where it is, you have to kind of look at how you're spending your time and figure out what you can sacrifice, you know, and, and where you mm. can make that studio time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm extremely lucky that I work for a gallery that is supportive of my practice, wow. uh, both in terms of like, you know, spiritually and <laughs> yeah. emotionally, yeah. but also they sell my work, they, they represent my work, yeah, and so um, I'm very, very lucky that I, I work part-time for the gallery, and then I work, um, you know, part-time, well, really full-time in my studio. Mm. Uh, I try to devote at least 40 hours a week to my practice. And it's just about consistency, you know? Like, obviously, take vacations. Like, do whatever, like, self-care you need to just be a human being and <laughs> just have, like, a healthy mm -hmm. life-work balance. But you really do have to, to be consistent. The thing that's um, sort of strange, too, about, like, the art world and maybe other like forms of arts uh, are like this too, but it's sort of like it's it's almost like people act like it's kind of tacky or gauche to think about money as an artist, you know, mm -hmm. because you should be above it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not about paying my rent. Yeah. <laughs> I, wish I, I, mean, yeah. I wish I could just not pay my rent and not care. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I do. And yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely important to like find a sustainable practice mm -hmm. as well. So talking about, you know, making art for art's sake, like making it for your own kind of like spiritual education, like your own yeah, yeah. needs, and then like also um, having a sustainable career, as much as once you've established that kind of foundation, that like ritual, that practice where you're mm -hmm. consistently making work, um, it's maybe gonna sound like I'm contradicting everything I just said, but it also is important to kind of like shake it up and do something different so you don't sort of get stuck doing mm. the same thing all the time because mm -hmm. you want to grow as an artist too. So mm -hmm. go to galleries, travel, mm -hmm. um, which kind of brings me to my next point, right? Mm -hmm. um, in four days, I'm about to go to kind of an artist retreat residency cool. in New York State for a month. Which wow. is which is a phenomenal opportunity, and I got um, mm -hmm. a Canada Council grant to support that That's so cool. as yeah. well. Uh, and so I will go throw myself into a completely foreign situation with you know five or six different artists that I've never met before. Wow! Um, and I, and they're not just visual artists necessarily; they might be writers, dancers, poets, you know, performers. Um, and, and I'll live amongst them for a month and <laughs> produce my work, but like, I'm also open to the experience of, you know, what I'll learn from them, yeah. um, potential collaborations, um, they'll bring critics and other artists up from the city to do studio visits and talk oh, wow. to us about our work as well. Oh, so, so cool. just so getting cool. as much kind of 
new feedback and yeah. like disrupting that like routine so things don't get stale in the studio I think is mm. important too not all the time <laughs> <laughs> so don't confuse yourself but like yeah a couple times a year maybe yeah. yeah yeah that's so neat um yeah I think when I've talked to you in the past I was mind blown when you told me that that you spent 40 hours a week on your art I mean I guess that's what anyone like being an entrepreneur or yeah. you know would spend on their job but it just like blew my mind the amount of dedication um that you actually had towards it I was like oh my goodness like that's serious passion and on top of work um but obviously uh it shows in your art and it shows in your pieces and um I guess I don't know if this was in the original thing that I sent you but um do you feel that by spending that much time that's allowed you to kind of create your own brand as an artist? Um, I, I don't know how to word this exactly, but you know, sometimes I see artists that have art that looks very similar to me. Um, mm. And like, how do you stand out with so many artists? Like, how did you create your like look? Because I will say, I follow you and then I follow like a couple artists on LinkedIn. They're always posting their art, but even their art, like it's different, but it's almost similar to each other. Yeah. So how did you actually create like this look that to make your own brand as an artist? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I, I'm not really sure how to answer it. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I, I never, I've never really thought about my art as a brand because it's just what I do. Yeah. Like, to, to me, when I think about branding, it's so different because like with other forms of art or other types of businesses, to me, branding is about developing a vocabulary, both like verbal and visual, mm -hmm. that reinforces like the spirit of what you're doing. But for mm -hmm. me, I'm like, it's all right here. You know, it's all like, it's in the work and, and yeah. don't even necessarily need to say anything about it. Yeah. Um, I guess I do do a lot of research and, and I it is a, an important point for me to make work that I feel is completely it's own thing. What do you value the most about being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneurial artist? Um, definitely just like the independence, um, being able to like create my own schedule, like have control over everything. Like, mm -hmm. like I just, um, went to LA for this exhibition, right? Yes. Um, I hope I'm not repeating myself. <laughs> <laughs> exhibition a couple of weeks ago and um yeah like it just felt really good to be able to hop on a plane and like bring the work and, and go do something like that and um it's great to sort of partner with these other galleries and like kind of collaborate with other entrepreneurs as well that's so awesome <laughs> so, yeah thanks so much for coming in today laura uh, i was so excited for this interview and i'm sure you guys have, have enjoyed it as well and where can we find you um, on the socials? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so my website is www.laurapain.net. Um, dot not dot com because uh, that's an equine massage therapist. Oh, massage <laughs> therapy. Awesome. <laughs> so that's I mean, really different. You yeah. can go like check her out too. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But yeah, and then my Instagram is a Laura Pain. At a Laura Payne again because I'm not the only Laura Payne. I'm just a Laura Payne. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome! And we'll have all her information in the description below. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and Thanks. thank you, Laura, for coming in. Thank again. you. Yeah. Thank <laughs> <Thanks>. you <so> <laughs>